The Rice to Ricky Sanchez podcast, recorded live from the middle of a freeway uh, and presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook, download their top-rated sportsbook app, and use promo code RTRS. Brought to you by By Nature Pet Food, official pet food of the Ricky. Slow-cooked with super fusion. Get 20% off your first order at Chewy by using promo code RTRS20 at Chewy.com. L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers, where rights to Ricky Sanchez listeners go and get engaged and kinetic skateboarding. Get 9.1% off your first order with promo code Dave Silver. I have a beef with kinetic. Uh, we'll discuss later. On the show today... Uh, after promising several months away, the NBA is insistent on forcing the Sixers back on us, not just soon, but in 2020. Unreal. Um, which will lead to a, a quick reflection I have about uh, last week's pod with Jerome Allen. The 2020 enemies of the process list comes out. We will uh, go over that. That came out on the website this week. Scott O'Neill sends out some smoke signals for a job on CNBC. Uh, Sixers try to get the all-star game, mailbag relationship advice. We got a lot. Uh, and my final plug for Bark in the Park. Today is the virtual Bark in the Park for Providence Animal Center. We have raised on the Ricky team so far $13,700 for Providence Animal Center. Pretty amazing with no like on-site event. The, uh, the donations go all the way up through uh, tonight, 11.59 p.m. Would love to get to 15000 but even if I don't, uh, that's great. I'll be over at Providence for people who are picking up their Ricky-related shirts over there um, later on today. But thank you, everybody who donated, everyone who participated in our team, and, of course, L.L. Pavorsky and Big Barker for buying the shirts for everyone. 13000 bucks is nothing to sneeze at for sure. So thank you. Without any further ado, Amos and the chef. Larry, sweetie, the man is here. Yeah. Say the name. I say the name. I say the name. We will write y'all. We will write. We will write. Even when it went wrong, we will write. We will write. We will write y'all. We will write. So say the name. Say the name. Say the name. We will write y'all. We will write. Even when it went wrong, we will write. We will write y'all. We will write. So say the name. Say the name. Say the name. Say the name. Welcome to the Rice Ricky Sanchez podcast. I am Spike Eskin, along with a guy who is where his feet are at all times, Mike Living. Mm. Morning, buddy. Good morning. What's up? I uh, I wish the, the pre-pod, I, I was saying I wish I had video of you. You know, you signed on and, and the video was a little dark, but it appears as if as you were shifting around, you sat on your microphone. Uh, Everything. Yeah, it was. I wish I had video of it. It's not a professional setup <laughs> no. here i wish people um, knew people that like rent studio space to record podcasts you really don't need to do it you it doesn't need to be that professional at home i, I am getting a new you know like a laptop tray that you can sit yeah. on your that's what i have here that's what the mic is resting on uh -huh. um to my left uh -huh. and it it broke i usually am the one to put it back and then one time Melissa put it back and it just totally broke um, in the closet, and uh, 
and so we need to get a new one. And but so now it's not even a regular laptop tray; it's a janky laptop tray. <laughs> um, while we wait for the other one to arrive. So yeah, this is this is this is what you pay for. Quiet, quietly, wh- quietly blaming Alyssa, right? Just every time. Yeah. <laughs> Every time. Uh, before we get going, the Apple Podcast five-star rating of the week. Um, ah, brought to you by Kinetic Skateboarding, so I can complain about them right off the top. Look, they had this great t- long-sleeve T-shirt coming out this week, um, like a Happy Harry's, if you're from the area, like black long-sleeve T-shirt. Why do they put everything out at midnight? Who the fuck is up at midnight? Are there people up at midnight? Yeah. There are? You, you, your awake hours of... You know, four fifteen to nine ten. Well, I'm, are up, not. I'm up till ten, even midnight. <laughs> Who could be up till midnight to buy? Most, I would say most. I would say most people are up till midnight. Well, that's not true. Most people aren't up till midnight. Most people under fifty five. No, I, I would love. We we. I would love to have feedback on that. In any, at least in the midnight range, like eleven. Uh, no, I think even further than 11. Well, I think further back. I would love to hear feedback. This could be our new wiping uh, debate. How late do you stay up? <laughs> There's no way people are up till midnight. In any case, I love Kinetic. Great shit, man, especially in the fall. Hoodie weather. Uh, use promo code uh, Dave Silver for 9.1% off your first order. Uh, KineticSkateboarding.com. This week's, we are up to 2,762 five-star ratings on our way to 3,000. This one, subject line, they just make little brown pellets. I've been a listener for years, but the offhand, they make little brown pellets pet food comment made me laugh so hard. That was about competitors of By Nature, just fucking around making little brown pellets while By Nature's making real pet food, which are also little brown pellets, but but better. Anyway, uh, the big news this week, it comes out, Woj broke it yesterday-ish on Friday. I think it was on Friday. I think Shams beat him, actually. Oh, did Shams beat him? I think so. By a few seconds or... A few. It was a few minutes. Yeah, wow. Good for Shams. Good. Shams always, Shams always tags uh, the athletic, of course, who he works for, and Stadium. What the fuck is Stadium? Do you, I don't know. Do you know what that is? I don't think he works Not for Not a clue. Him. Yeah, no clue. Anyway, NBA back. So here is what is, like... I would say 99% going to happen. It seems like they are, you know, pretty firm on this. And it, it did seem like the reporting indicated that they don't they don't anticipate too much trouble figuring it out with the, um, the union, uh, but they have to figure out cap stuff. NBA will return uh, preliminarily December 22nd. 72 games with a play-in tournament. Finished by the time the 2021 Tokyo Olympics start. So originally, the you know originally they had talked about December and then they had moved it back to maybe even February. Uh, but it appears as if their understanding that like the goal of all of that was to get more arenas with people in them. And I think they are right. just sort of. It, it appears as if they're just sort of punting on that idea mm-hmm. and and just sort of saying we we got to get back on a normalish schedule and get this season in and waiting until february is not going to make too much of a difference um which i think if for as far as strategy wise is smart as far as me having to watch sixers games every other night in, in december when they just ended it i don't like i i'm honestly kind of annoyed i i wanted a little more time away but that's that's what seems like it's going to happen and the off season which is normally 
like we talk about Ricky off season in, in terms of like sort of stretching our, our stretching out a little bit and doing stuff that, but the basketball off season is going to be, is pretty compact with the draft November 18th and then free agency, like right after that. And then training camp almost right after that. So yeah, that is no time. No, that is no time to get going. Um, if you thought that the Sixers were a flip the switch team last year, <laughs> I think every team is going to be a flip the switch team. Yeah. Guys aren't going to know each other. Yeah. Like imagine getting drafted. First of all, no Vegas Summer League. Devastating. Yeah. Um, and imagine like if they draft a, you know, my, my first thought obviously goes to the draft. Like if you, if you draft a, a freshman, then like there's no time to work them into your system. That is essentially like a, a like a stash pick for next year. Yeah. Um, well, and it will benefit the teams who look. I, I think mostly NBA rosters are going to re- remain pretty static just because of the unsureness of revenue moving forward, and and like a, maybe. a lot of different things. I think aside from draft, I don't think there's going to be like a ton of movement. But the teams that are already good that keep their rosters pretty much intact are going to have a big advantage over teams that do not. Probably, but also there's not that much off season. The guys like you know the Lakers and Heat and all the teams that that played late into September October, this really doesn't much time off from each other, from your coaching staff, like to handle yourself like in detox from the season mentally, whatever it is. It's I think everybody's got versions of right, um, you know, Positives obstacles and to over yeah. to overcome and stuff. It's going to be interesting. I mean, I I like that it's 72 games. I think. It should always be 72 games. I feel good about that. I like starting around Christmas. I think it should always start around Christmas. Um, I think this is, if this is hopefully a, you know, half step or whatever to the future of like, this is what it's always going to be. I think that's great. Yeah, I I think Uh, they're probably more likely to start late November so they can stretch things out a little bit as opposed, this is still pretty compact the way that they're doing it. Yeah. I agree with you on Christmas. The, the thing, though, and, and you're, you're right, like we're, we're really just guessing, sort of like going into the bubble. They do only have two months in between the end of like the Lakers season and the Heat season and the beginning of the season. But they did have four months off before mm-hmm. that. So it is sort of a weird thing. It wasn't like they just played a full season. You know? No, yeah, it's just it's just a weird ramp up yeah. and ramp down. And also yeah. being in the being in the bubble is a special kind of, I'm sure, yeah. you know, uh, tax on your body and yourself yeah. and your routine and all that stuff. I don't know about um, there's not going to be much movement. I think that there could be teams that really need to get off shit. Mm-hmm. That's really true. need to get off money. And so they're, they'll do, you know, they'll make like, they'll attach a pick or whatever it is to get off contracts. I, I wonder who those teams are going to be. It's kind of weird to speculate, like which owners are getting poor and yeah. are poor, uh, you know, res- relatively to the stature. Um, I don't know. I also think that like this is the first shot at this and it's like we're going quick mm-hmm. and they still need like, you know, union approval and all this stuff. I, I I would be surprised if this stays as is. I think I think this is an ambitious, you know, first salvo in like here's what we're trying to do. I do all, I do love that they're keeping the 8 seed plan. Um I think that's absolutely worthwhile. Why not? It's why not, but it it is. uh, I, to me, like, look, some years are going to get lucky, and some years they're not. Like, some Mm -hmm. some years they're going to get like 
boy, here's the fucking Magic versus the Bulls versus like a bunch of teams. And I think we got lucky last year with um, you know Portland in it and Phoenix. Memphis. You know, you know, having a chance right at the end. Mm-hmm. But there are going to be some years where it's just it seems kind of dumb. I think for sure. I mean, I, I think just for those fan bases, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't think this is going to be the the thing to hook casual fans. Yeah. Um, but theoretically, most of the time, this is either going to be teams with like young talent, like the Pelicans or whatever, trying to get in, um, or a veteran team that's kind of disappointed, like like the Blazers, that that still has enough juice to like you know win a couple games to get in there. Um, I just like I just like more different more stuff. stakes yeah. to for for other teams and stuff. And obviously, the you know having a shot at the one seed is not is not hugely. Successful, but it's it's happened before, and it, you you know, a sprained ankle, and and then you're in business. It's a, uh, I like it. I mean, anything that makes it more like March Madness is good for me, for sure. Yeah, it's I, and I'll I'll tell you just from nobody cares, I, and, and I hate when NBA podcasters do this, but like I I do, and th- this sort of uh, goes into, and I am excited for. I'll tell you the compact just for us, and we'll start draft and earnest this on the pod this uh, i know you started it six months ago but on the pod coming up next week the draft immediately into free agency like all of this shit happening all at once will be i think amusing and it'll be fun from a content perspective Mm -hmm. i i gotta tell you though and it it does sort of go into the next thing i was going to talk about because it made me think of something that uh, uh, something i felt after the jerome allen interview um, which I really enjoyed, and thank, there's been a lot of good feedback, so thanks to everyone who listened to it. But um, I just, the idea of watching the Sixers three times a week, I'm glad basketball will be back, but there is, I'm going to be honest, like there's this sense of dread. I, I wish there was something that happened that m- made me more excited to start watching them again. Um, and maybe, you know. Peter Dinwiddie not doing it for you? No. And by the way, uh, shout out to uh, emailer Mike, longtime listener, who mentioned something that we did not say, and he's right. When we were talking about Peter Dinwiddie looking like Crispin Glover, he does look just like, um, what's his fuck? The super tall guy we had. Uh, Boban? Yeah, he looks like Boban. <laughs> I see it a little bit. Yeah, he looks like a, a normal sized Boban. Boban's very handsome. And I know that he's enormous. But he's got but the he's hair, too. Handsome. He, he, a little. Similar hair. It's the Boban cleaned up in the, over the last couple of years where, you know, Dinwiddie needs a Boban-type cleanup. I was, uh, like, honestly, when, when, we, when we asked Jerome, like, really what is so good about Brad Stevens? And he went into, like, a real answer about a legitimate answer about how prepared he is. And here is Jerome, who is, like, a former head coach at Penn, a, a really smart guy, a, a sort of a cerebral player, and you could tell he was not bullshitting about what he said about Stevens. And then you could also tell he was not bullshitting about the way that the organization from the top down supported him during what he went through, or what he after right. what he did. And I just thought about the Sixers, and I'm like, what the fuck? What a... It, it just put it into perspective. It is yeah. such a fucking terrible organization. I don't even know. Yeah, it's a bad organization. Yeah, it's a. It is a. It is. I think it's pretty clear that it's a bad organization, and it has been for a lot of years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of years. Yes. It, there was during 
there was a time when it seemed like it was it could be a good organization, and then I think we all know what that time was, and then when that happened, it's uh, you know, I'm obviously I'm sure things weren't perfect when Hinky was there, and there were things that you know he didn't know, but um, as a as like a first time GM that was so focused on one thing that he didn't really care about the things he didn't care about, and that might have mattered, and peop- and it might have been, you know. Uh, there, there was, I'm sure, room to grow mm-hmm. um, in that in that area, but man, the Colangelos didn't help us. Didn't help that at all. No, this idea that they're like relationship guy, it sucked. <laughs> it sucks. Now everybody stabbing each other in the back. Nobody really gives a fuck. There's like kind of. It's like the opposite of relationship chaos. guy. It really is. It's uh, now Scott O'Neill's got all the power. He certainly doesn't care about anyone. It's it's just a, I'm I'm sure it's just a toxic place to be. It, I feel bad every, for everything any, about it. From any for any person, there are people, a, a good number of people that I like that work for the team, uh, in in various capacities. And look, they I just I feel bad. It's so fucked up, and they must know that it's so fucked up. And I've worked yeah. I've worked in fucked up organizations before. Totally. It's just it's it's hard it's hard to know that a, a place is fucked up and be like well I can't do anything about it, and I can leave, I guess. Right, but then you got to go find another job and like. Right. No, I'm not saying that they should. Yeah. Leave, but I'm saying the the options are limited for people that are not you know have a lot of power. Yeah, and uh, it, it really just hearing Jerome talk about the Celtics, I was I was just incredibly jealous. I was just is yeah Doc Rivers is fine and and. Uh, you know, I'm sure Peter Dinwiddie is nice, uh, but just it just it really does come from the the very very top in mm-hmm. setting what it is, and and we can make fun of Danny Ainge leaking shit, and he does, and all, all of the things that are imperfect, but there just are so many organizations that are better than the one that we spend all of our time on. That's right, and it feels like such a fucking joke on us. That's right. Yeah. We're, we're, people are doing a joke on us for sure. Yeah. <laughs> people and we're <laughs> willingly taking it over and over, over and over again. Yeah. Uh, our sponsor by nature, pet food. I really appreciate. I, uh, you know, as, as more fucked up as the world around us gets, I appreciate my pets even more, you know, how to take my, my, uh, my cat, Alabama to the vet yesterday. Alabama's 15 now has some kidney disease, uh, getting skinny, but doing my best to keep her healthy. Obviously, I love Rebel. And keeping your pets healthy is so important, and by nature knows it. I, uh, You know, you could talk about a lot of sponsors for a lot of different things, but you want the ones that believe in the, the right thing and make the right sort of product. And by nature, pet food makes a, a food that is actually designed and, and made to make your pet healthier. Um, it, using better ingredients like premium proteins and when have you ever heard about probiotics in in pet food or never never right like or apple cider these are things that you talk about for humans that we think about for us that they're putting in that are good for animals too apple, apple cider vinegar and blueberries and ginger and coconut oil all these things that promote hip and joint health and skin and coat support and they do a thing which takes more time and is more expensive uh, for them to do, but it's better for the pet, and they they slow cook it, and they do that so it stays nutrient rich. So your your dog or your cat, which has a 
you know, which processes the food very quickly, can get the nutrients out of it. And uh, by nature, pet food is just better. Uh, the way they make it, they call it super fusion. I'm just going to call it better. This is better. They they make a better pet food so your pet stays healthier. And and because of that, and you know, when you go shopping for pet food, you know, there's indoor cat, outdoor cat, you know, small dog, big dog. Their their pet food is so good. Sort of like if you go to buy broccoli and fucking apples at the store, they don't go, now this is better for older people or younger people. It's just good, right? Their pet food is just good, so it's good for all the pets. What I think you should do is go to Chewy.com, just try it. Uh, go to uh, Search By Nature and use promo code RTRS20. You'll get 20% off your first order with By Nature. Your pet will be healthier. The company that makes By Nature has never, has family owned and operated, been around for 40 years, never had a recall on pet food, which is pretty much unheard of. Um, learn more. Just go to bynaturepetfoods.com if you want to read more about it. But I'm telling you, I'm not bullshitting you. It's the right thing to do. Go to chewy.com, uh, get some by nature, use promo code RTRS20. Send us a picture of your dog or cat. We'll put them in the good boy club, good girl club with the by nature pet food. By nature pet foods, really good. Just really good. Not bullshitting. Really good. Really good. Um, before we get to relationship advice, I, I don't really know what to say about this other than I think it was cool, especially coming off the heels of talking to Jerome. Uh, Jameer Nelson joins the Sixers organization. Um, mm-hmm. Love Jameer Nelson. Huge Jameer Nelson guy. Was always a was a good player, but also a, a good locker room guy. Obviously a star at St. Joe's. He will be assistant GM um, and a scout for the Blue Coats, which means within 18 months, he will be the next Sixers general manager. So, very excited. Uh, 8,000 people have made this joke, but uh, Jameer Nelson should start on this team yep. right now. Um, he's great. I mean, he's the man. St. Joe's just like had a really solid career. And I absolutely happy to have him here. I think that I think that there's hope. Like I agree with you that it starts from the top down. But I think I think Elton's a good guy I and agree. cares. I, I think agree. Doc is a, a guy who cares. I think that between the two of them, there is like a if if there's stability, which there just hasn't been in this organization forever, um, if there's stability with them and Ben and Joel for, you know, a few years, a number of years, whatever, and there's some amount of success, I think there is a chance that it becomes a stable organization that that does have set some sort of cultural tone or whatever. Um, and I think hiring guys like Jameer um, and just some level, really stability, because there just hasn't been. I, I think stability for stability's sake is bad. Um, but I think that, as, as we've said for a long time, like the Sixers have been a team that are, this isn't really Jameer. I love Jameer. That's the end of thought there. Um, the Sixers have been a team that is just like basically uh, playing NBA 2K and just like making trades. And because you don't have the reset button, you can have, you're still just like living with these guys. And they're like, okay, we're gone. Another one. Change it. And it's like there is some level of letting things breathe, letting things develop. And, and hopefully that around Ben and Joel, who you really didn't need to do all the stuff that they've done over the last few years because um, it's only almost entirely worked out negatively. Could have done almost uh, nothing, actually. Could have done nothing. Yeah. Could have done nothing and co- could have collected a paycheck for doing nothing. Uh, when we wrote the uh, uh, Enemies of the Process, that's out, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, get to it later. It is out. On uh, I, talk, I wrote about uh, AU Gave Me Jerry, 
Um, and it's like he could have just Jerry could have come in here, collected, and check. been the like he could have just stolen a paycheck. He could have just been like, yeah, yeah, I'm happy to, you know, I'm seventy thousand years old. I'm just gonna come in and just I'll oversee this guy, and he could just talk to Hanky and be like, look, dude, I don't fucking give a shit. Like Silver put me in here. I think you're pretty smart. Here's a couple ideas for what you should do. Take it or don't take it. But honestly, whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm just collecting a paycheck. I'm out in Phoenix. Call me if you need me. Mm -hmm. And instead, he was just like, I'm going to be the biggest asshole you've ever seen. Yep. Like, fuck that. (laughs) Fuck that. He could have just, like, every other fucking, every other advisor role, they're like, yeah, call me when you need me. Yeah. And he's like, well, I mean, he was. You need me. You need me in my 1987 takes. And his son. I mean, it was really about his son. And my kid. And his 1997 takes. Yeah. Just like my dad did with me uh, when he got me hired at at WIP to be program director. uh, (laughs) Jerry (laughs) Colangelo. Well, he made every day take your son to work day, which I think is a. Builds morale for a little, but yeah. after a while it gets old. Yeah, uh, I think we could probably. I, I have some Jameer, Jameer connections. I would love to have. I would love to talk to Jameer Nelson. I think we could. We could probably get him on. Yeah, uh, that would be. That would be fun. So, uh, congrats, Jameer. It is nice to have somebody who has some Philadelphia ties, who has always seemed like a, a good person and a, a really good player. He had a really good yeah, career, sure. Jameer Nelson. Yes, he did. Yeah, he had a yeah, really good sure. career. Uh, Let's do, let's break it up. Before we get to enemies of the process, which you mentioned is out, and before we get to the fucking, the CNBC article, which is just, I feel like we could break it up with some relationship advice. Let's do it now. I keep my heart under my pillow with my teeth and other lies. I've been waiting on your halo just to shine the light. Relationship advice theme song, Eliza Hardy-Jones. Thank you, Eliza, for the music that we don't actually have written permission. I have an email from her. Seems like enough. From Anonymous, because this person didn't say whether we could use their name or not. Dear Spike and Mike, first off, I've been a longtime listener. Appreciate everything you guys do, from the pods to charities and live events. This is this is an interesting one. This is not... I feel like a lot of the ones we get are in the same sort of vein, except for the one that... Didn't he sleep with his girlfriend's dad or something? I don't remember it. Might have blocked it out. I think we did have one. But aside from that one. All right. I've recently found myself in a very uncomfortable situation. So naturally, I figured why not come to a basketball podcast for answers. To quickly give a backstory, me and my girlfriend of nearly four years have had a wonderful relationship to this day and envision the rest of our lives together. She has a kid with her ex who is now six years old. That's no worry to me as I knew this going into the relationship. The problem is the ex. To say the least, he's been a troublemaker and aggressive most of his life. He's gotten kicked out of the military and struggled to keep a job. My girlfriend has a restraining order against him and let me say, with good reason, I'll spare you the details. Um, Fast forward to today and things get juicy. I've worked at the same job now for three years and I'm happy there. It's not the job I want the rest of my life, but for the time being, I'm where I want to be. Last week, I went on vacation and when I returned, I found to my horror that I had a new coworker. They hired the ex. Mm. (sighs) Neither of us has said a word to each other and he definitely knows who I am. We have to walk past each other multiple times a day and occasionally make awkward eye contact. It's only been a few days now, but it feels like an eternity. 
I've now come to my boss and made him aware of the situation. He said he's already been on shaky ground and they can find a, if they can find a reason to get rid of him, they will, but it's no guarantee. My guess, so I guess my question is, what do I do now? The situation is absolutely unsustainable and I can in no way go to work with this person much longer. Do I give up the job and look for something else? I feel like that, like that would be letting him win. Do I wait it out and hope that he gets fired or quits? Am I selfish for wanting to get this guy fired? One way or another, this needs to be resolved. Any advice would help. Thanks again. Keep up the pods. Whew. This is this is a different one. We've we've never had anyone like. Can you can before we give advice? Can you just fucking for one second imagine coming back to work and seeing of all people they hired, they hired that guy. Yeah, no good. It's crazy. It's it's crazy. No good. So um, seems like an in-person job, not a remote yeah. workplace situation. Yeah. Um, well, he said he has to walk by the guy. I don't know. I mean, it's a you know, <sighs> presumably because it's a pandemic and the job market is tanked, you need the work, mm-hmm. and this guy probably also needs the work. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it feels like the kind of thing a, I'm, I'm always a conversation guy. <laughs> it feels yeah. like, like, Hey man, like we're cool. Right. Like, can you just do that? Like not even like a full, like hash it out conversation, more of just like a, everybody, you good? Like we're good. Okay. Kind of thing. Um, cause you presumably also want him to have a job and stuff for the kid. If you care about the kid, mm-hmm. um, and want that to be like a level, a stable environment. Um, I would probably, my, my advice would be, especially if this is not like dream job place that you want to like grow from, I, w- I would say have a conversation, quick conversation, just the we good conversation and then start look, start like quietly looking for other jobs would yeah. be my guess. I think there's even, even if you agree that you're good, there's probably a shelf life to how long this can go. I agree on action steps. The one thing mentally that I would say is you have to put your, every once in a while, well, in most situations, in most situations, ego is a bad thing. It prevents you from doing the the right thing most of the times. I've I've said to a lot of people, especially people at work, there's this tool that nobody uses. It's called like an apology. If you apologize, if somebody, if you did something wrong or somebody even thinks that you did something wrong, if you genuinely apologize, it usually neutralizes the situation and it only hurts for a second. So a lot of times putting ego to the back is important. So I would say to your point, the idea of letting him win and all that kind of shit, it does not matter. The only thing that that is feeding is ego. If here, here's who wins. Who wins is, is the kid, your girlfriend, you, and this guy, if you can all go about your lives without any further conflict. So everybody's the winner. So if, if he wins and you get another job somewhere and he gets to keep that job, fine. That, it's just not, it's not worth winning that thing. I agree with you wholeheartedly, Mike, in that I think you would go up to him very, and say, hey, look, you know who I am. I know who you are. I, I want to be able to work here. You want to be able to work here. I, I just want you to know that, you know, I'm going to, I'm just going to go about my, my job. 
And I'm sure what he did, the way that you framed it, is something terrible, but there's nothing that you can do about it, right? Like kicking the shit out of him is not going to do anything. Making sure he gets fired. Don't do any of that. You don't want any of that shit on your conscience. If he's that big of it. So I would agree. I would say start looking for another job, uh, but don't do it while quitting this job. Just start looking for another one. And maybe he'll get fired while you're looking and then you can just go about your business. That would be my advice. But it does seem untenable in a actual way. I mean, I don't think you can continue to work there forever. I mean, it seems crazy. I, I still can't believe they hired him of all people. Tough. It's just, it's a rough look. My God, have a, a long talk with the boss. Really long talk. I mean, of all people. Anyway, enemies of the process list. Uh, we've, we've done this. This is a, an AU idea. AU started this, I want to say four years ago. I think this is the first, the, the fourth one that we've done, the enemies of the process list. I think the first one he revealed on air, and then we've been writing them ever since, since he started writing for us. So what we did was all of us submitted our one through 10 or one through 15 lists, and then AU calculated it and we put it together and we all wrote the, we all wrote different blurbs for it, and it's up at writesrickysanchez.com. Wanted to just get some thoughts from, from both of us on each one on the top 15. Um, number 15, Glenn Robinson III. I actually like that he's on the list. I, I, AU seemed like he was pushing for GR3. <laughs> I think it is funny how little he wanted to be here. He complained immediately. It took him forever to get here. Right. And... I don't think he's an enemy now, but when he goes to a different team, he'll definitely be a guy that we don't like. So I think I think that's fair. Yeah. yeah. 14 Tatum, who I don't even think I had on my top 10 list, but obviously, did you have him high? Where did you have Tatum? Do you remember? Uh, I don't remember. As of right now, look, the things I feel about Tatum, as uh, Jerome said last week, thanks for not picking him. He really got that in right at the end. He did. He definitely did. And to me, it's just like, there is not a um, valid reason to hate him. And I hate him. And will forever. And root against him his whole career. He seems like a good dad. He seems pretty corny. Mm. Um, He works hard. And I hate him. End of story. Yeah, it just doesn't, it doesn't hurt me anymore. In fact, and, and this, I think this will come out, uh, or this came out today. We did the, the top 30 rank, the top 29 rankings of who, what other teams we hate the most. I don't even hate the Celtics as much as I should anymore. And I know it's a character flaw. I, I know, but, but it, it's buried deep within my anger at the Sixers is why I don't hate the Celtics so much. It's not that I like the Celtics. It's, it's just my jealousy has gone from anger to sort of like, I don't know, looking at them across the room and how beautiful I think some of them are. And I just, I can't be mad at them anymore. We were a Knicks fan and you're a Sixers fan, so Celtics are naturally next. Yeah. Uh, yes, it, it really is on the list. Uh, 13, Tobias Harris's contract. Um, one thing I wrote, I got to do the write-up for this, is that the thing we have to look forward to is that in three years it'll be the best contract in the NBA because it'll be expiring. It is. It does say a lot that he is a good player and obviously a good person, and still, 
it's just fucking awful that contract it is really yeah. just so bad it's tough i mean we talked uh, we talked about this before like i can separate him from the contract mm-hmm. it's not his fault it that's why we Howard's put the contract fault. on the list yeah yeah but it's it, i think he gets a lot of it it's like i think he's a good player that if he was just allowed to play like straight up power forward and not you know the smallest of eight power forwards on this team then i think it'd be a lot better but it's more clunky with that i i would love to see him back with doc shooting threes more regularly quicker you know having a quick trigger without having to do this sort of you know stare your guy down for a few seconds and pull up in his face from 18 um but if if he's if he's continues his progression defensively he's a good leader of the team and takes more threes more regularly and and maybe even adds an element of getting to the line more to his game would love that he's a guy who works on his game it stands to reason he could work on that part of his game uh then i hope the contract is not as bad but right now it, it is for sure as i've said the collective bargaining agreement that the owners have with the players would not have allowed anyone to pay Tobias Harris more money than the Sixers paid them. They paid Tobias Harris the most amount of money you're allowed to pay a player under the collective bargaining agreement. That's right. It is fucking hilarious. Number 12, COVID-19. I mean, pretty obvious why it would be an enemy of the process. Yeah, I wrote about it just because it's like, well, the Sixers were a good an elite home team. They were the best home team mm-hmm. in the league. And they were the, what, 23rd best road team in the league? That's the one advantage we had. And then here comes a pandemic, and it's like, you got to play in fucking where MCW and Markel Fultz live. (laughs) What a quote. 11, you know, I almost feel like this is even high because it, it does seem like everybody is on the same page anymore. But 11, mainstream Philadelphia media composite guy almost doesn't exist anymore. Even the people who hated us hate the owners now. There's a a very, there's just not a lot of anti-process people anymore. It's just- Occasionally there's some strays that come out. Yeah. And you you see, and like, you know, people talking about that analytics were the problem in this situation just drives me insane. Just for just sheer like journalistic responsibility. Like someone should hold that to account. There should be a fact check situation going on where it's like, well, no, no. I mean, or like explain yourself because it's not the case. Number 10, Al Horford. Sorry, it was destined. This had to happen. I mean, there's really almost no chance this wasn't going to happen. Yeah, we, we should have asked Jerome about Al. We, and we didn't. It is amazing we didn't ask him about Al. I think it stems from us not wanting to talk about it. Right. Let's talk about anything but the... <laughs> probably, what, probably that. Number nine and eight. I, I don't think I voted for either of them in my top ten. I definitely know I didn't vote for eight because I felt like they were more enemies of me than they were of the process, but maybe I had Butler in there. So number nine, Jimmy Butler, and then number eight, J.J. Redick and Tommy. Yeah, I don't think I had Jimmy in there. I did have J.J. Redick and Tommy. I did, Just f- I did not. Maybe it's maybe that's more. I, I can't disassociate what's us, what's the process, right. what's what. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you, Sixers Adam fucking hates J.J. Redick and Tommy. I mean, he had them at number four, he told me. 
I, I'm not going to read every, everything from everyone, but uh, the write-up for J.J. Reddick and Tommy, if I'm being entirely honest, I put these two people above uh, people who have objectively been much more detrimental to the downfall of the Sixers, but I couldn't right. help myself. These two people make me viscerally angry every time I think about them, <laughs> and this was my avenue to express that. Why does J.J. Reddick get to have a podcast? Who on earth is Tommy? Will we figure out who Tommy is before we find out who Dietrich's Burnergate source was? Was Tommy Dietrich's Burnergate source? So could have been. Number seven, Brian Colangelo. You know, even though not part of it, still just how could he not be top ten ranked? Mm-hmm. It says a lot that we ourselves are number six ahead of Brian Colangelo. At I, this point, I think that that's right. Yeah, I think if you look back historically, we will rise every year. <laughs> and, uh, number five, team collaborative GM, um, Alex Rucker, Ned Cohen, uh, you know, Elton obviously involved in that, but the team yeah. collaborative GM, number five, obviously. Did. You know, we did say we did say we wanted the the front office to, you know, heads to roll. I've I famously said the chef should get fired, and nobody did. Um, and some some people have like at least shifted around. There's been some yeah. movement. I've sort of redirected all of my ire to Scott O'Neill um, and and pretty much blamed him and only him for everything. It's fun to have, like, one villain. It's just easier for me to digest. Um, but I will say at least that they at least they sca- scapegoated a couple people. Well, the, is, the, that, is that a positive? Well, I mean, the two people who actually left the organization were Sam Hinkie hires, which is very funny. And it does seem as funny. if the one person that actually got scapegoated was Alex Rucker, Right. who is the uh, person who is most concerned with public narrative, uh, which I guess, so I guess they did something. I don't want anybody to be out of a job as long as they're not in the fucking room, but Scott O'Neill is still in the room and they really, they really didn't do anything that we asked. <laughs> no. They did, yeah. I mean, uh, number four, Jerry no. Colangelo, as you said, you, you wrote about Jerry in this one and could have just done nothing, would have made a great line from you. Uh, if Jerry had come in just wearing a robe and slippers, hit the buffet, orchestrated a C-minus-ish Ish Smith trade, and insisted the practice facility only played Frankie Valley music while cashing that paycheck, none of this would have happened. All he had to do was be the cool old guy, but he didn't want to be the cool old guy. He wanted to fucking suck. Yeah. It's so true. Before we get to the top three, our sponsor, LL Pavorsky Jewelers. LL doesn't have, actually, LL does have some hate in him. Um, he hates all the right people, but he does have some hate in him. 200 rights to Ricky Sanchez. Listeners have purchased engagement rings from LL Pavorsky. Really just an insane number of people, an upsetting number of people. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we do occasionally, LL will forward us engagement pictures, engagement or, uh, or proposal pictures that we get oftentimes from the people. They're often, have you noticed how good looking some of them are? I mean, I, I feel like we get a lot of good looking photos of people getting engaged. I haven't noticed, but now I'm I'm gonna start. They're just they're just good, healthy looking people. I just love that there's fucking healthy looking people listening to the pod. LL was healthy. the well. Go ahead. I like healthy. Yeah. Oh, these are some unhealthy dude. Uh, only people that are getting like really sickly people that are getting engaged with LL. Um, what's it called? Uh, yeah, no. Well, and look, if you are sickly looking, more power to you. There's a there's a. <laughs> 
a pot for every kettle or whatever the fuck it is. A lid for every pot or a lid for every kettle. I don't know how it goes. LL was the first sponsor of the Rights Ricky Sanchez podcast. It is fair to say that he has propelled us to the the monolith that we are today. Thank you, LL, for everything. He is a, uh, you know, jewelry stores. If you've been in them, you walk in. I actually passed one this morning, walked next to one this morning. Uh, I was going into the... Uh, PA Wine and Spirit Store in Springfield to pick up some uh, stateside, and there's a, a jewelry store right there. And I looked in there, and look, it looked nice or whatever. But there are five salespeople in there. I'd have been petrified. You go into LL Pavorsky Jewelers. There's one person. It's LL. He's there to help you, and he's doing his appointments. Talk about safety by appointment only. So you go to the store by appointment only. If you want to do it from home, you do it from home. He can figure that out. Uh, just reach out to him, 215-627-2252, 215-627-2252. Or if you hate making phone calls like everybody in the world does right now, lee at llpavorsky.com. The store at 707 Walnut has been there for over 30 years now. That's not an accident. A place gets to stay somewhere for 30 years if you keep paying your, your lease. So congratulations to LL on the 30-plus years of lease payments for supporting our charities and for being an all-around great guy. LL Pavorsky Jewelers. Bringing his son to work day since 2009 when <laughs> Jake was born. Oh, so good. Number three, Adam Silver. Uh, I think you could make an Adam Silver argument for number one. I think you could. Uh, mm-hmm. Adam Silver. If we're tracking it back, mm-hmm. it, would be, it would be from Adam Silver. Actually, I would say Scott O'Neill. Here's the game of telephone. Scott O'Neill to Adam Silver to Jerry Colangelo right. to Brian Colangelo. Now back to Scott O'Neill. Right. Uh, which brings us to number two, Josh Harris and David Blitzer. Right. I mean, do we need to say anything else? I don't think so. No. And then number one, um, maybe the best thing you've ever ever written uh, on Scott O'Neill, the number one enemy of the process. Sick dude, fucking rad. You're the patch king. Yeah. <laughs> We always do a new... I, I've been trying to think of a shirt idea for Black Friday. We always do a new shirt on Black Friday, put it on sale. Maybe Sick Dude Fucking Rad, You're the Patch King. I don't know. Maybe a patch on it, something. Can't imagine why anyone would want to wear that. Just me staying up late past midnight, writing mean things about Scott O'Neill that I then ask AU to edit out if it's too mean. And by the way, AU will not edit it out if it's too mean. He's not. He has right. before. Oh, he has about it. other stuff. I okay. Think. Uh, congratulations, Scott O'Neill, the number one enemy of the process. You've been you've been working toward this for so long, and you're finally there. Congratulations uh, to Scott O'Neill. Speaking of which, uh, an article about the Sixers came out, uh, written by Jabari Young uh, for Yahoo. And the headline, it came out for CNBC, headline, Philadelphia 76ers need Doc Rivers to fix its culture and win as team eyes future business and new arena. I loved this. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Because this was a planted story from Scott O'Neill. Now, there are two different ways you could see this. You could see this as Scott O'Neill trying to brag to, now, I am sure CNBC is what rich guys watch. All the time. That's what they do. It's all just fucking money, 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 money. That's what it is. Hey, look at this stock. Look at, hey, what do you think of this, that? So I'm sure Josh Harris and David Blitzer read CNBC. So it's either a love note to Blitz and Harris saying, hey, by the way, this is on Doc now. Everything is on Doc now. Isn't CNBC the, they always have like the tweets that it's like, this, you know, 
$300,000 a year person doesn't understand why there's poor people or something like isn't there's like a here's my budget and it's all and it's always like oh is that from CBC? simply simply getting you know a a cool 500k from my family <laughs> i don't like know that's that's all you need that's the secret to success it's, is uh, taking a, a job that you love not caring about money that much and inheriting a, a cool <laughs> 500k from your grandparents the it's the station that um that jim kramer's on it's just it is really just like stocks and business all the time 100 percent of the time so here's what's interesting so it's either a love note to Blitz and Harris, or it is a resume builder at Look at All I've Done. And here's mm-hmm. something interesting to notice. The same writer in 2019 wrote an article about the Sixers. I'll, I'll read the quote from you. Um, <laughs> it's amazing. This is the current quote, or this is the This is from one. 2019. Okay. Chris Heck said team officials solicited input from fans at town hall meetings. For games that weren't sold out, the Sixers would allow some fans to move to better seats. The team also partnered with companies like Dunkin' Donuts, owned by Dunkin' Brands, to advertise its logo. Here's the best part. Everywhere you turned, it was Philadelphia 76ers. So what happened is we gained the confidence of the fan that has always been the Philadelphia sports fans. We also started a new wave. Also a cult following of mm. fans under the age of 35. They started the cult following. That's right. Yes. Okay. So um, the, 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 really the, the key to this article is that it puts everything about them making any more money in the future on Doc Rivers. As the team departed the NBA's bubble postseason in the first round in August, the Sixers fired Brett Brown. Sixers leadership, which includes HBSE CEO Scott O'Neill and general manager Elton Brand, were mystified at the team's 31 and 4 home record, but poor performance at the road. On it's the road. not 31 and 4, by the way. That's actually incorrect because two of those losses at home were in Orlando. Oh, so they're 31 and 2. It was two games. It was well, like 29 and 2, I think it was. Tw- you're right. I love that the Sixers leadership that were mystified were Elton Brand and, of course, Scott O'Neill. Mm-hmm. They were the two guys that were on the same page here. One NBA team staffer with knowledge of the Sixers' affairs said the club lacked focus on the road and the team's traveling party was too big. The staffer called the Sixers, quote, unorganized, adding that the club had too many front office staff with titles but undefined roles. Who could have ever... Imagine that would have been the case. Yeah, shocking when you just keep putting someone in like a side office. <laughs> there's there's just so many offices. They're building. They have a new practice facility just for offices to people that are getting parachutes out. If and Doug he, Collins and Tony DeLeo still kicking around over there. Uh, so the a header future business. If Rivers and Brand can help deliver Harris a championship, O'Neill's job could get a bit easier as winning equals more business in the NBA. It's the ultimate magnet of money. The Sixers bring in roughly $300 million in revenue with $90 million from operating in- income, according to Forbes. The team is set with their broadcasting rights with Comcast property, NBC Sports Phil- Philadelphia, into 2029. Uh, O'Neill is credited with helping turn 3,500 season ticket holders into roughly 14,000, ranked first in the NBA in tickets sold in attendance last season. He also landed, this is for you, the NBA's first jersey patch deal and landed Harris an $86 million new practice complex in Camden, New Jersey. Real quick, O'Neal is the one that turned it from 3,500 season ticket holders into 14,000. Did Mike, I ask you, did it have anything to do with the team led by two young superstars getting better? 
I can't imagine why it would. When I show, when I pay for a game, I show up for the CEO. <laughs> I'm there for the I'm there for the player intros when there's when they're setting shit on fire. Yeah. That's why I come. I'm not. I honestly, the basketball couldn't even be bothered by it. Yeah. I respect good business, mm-hmm. and I sh- I pay good money to sit in a an arena, to just like admire the business. At the I end of say. this, we're business people. I mean, that's, that's right. why we're in it. Tell it's us. It's just more. amazing the idea that like people taking credit for so many things all the time. It is like stunning. It is stunning for uh, people taking credit for things that they don't deserve. It's it really like rattles me to a, a, an emotional like to my full insides the idea that like they can with a straight face take credit for that shit mm-hmm. it's unbelievable I, like they're, they're unapologetic about the credit that they take for anything good that happened that literally had nothing to do with them here's what i will give them credit for the snake logo was cool the snake logo was cool. Now, the union did it fucking two years ago, but the snake logo was cool. Of anything they've done, that is the only thing I'll give them credit for. Snake logo. I'm not giving that to Scott, though. <laughs> Scott's not in the fucking, in the fucking art, art lab, mm-hmm. like, draw, drawing out specs. He's just fucking sitting there and, like, shaking hands and telling everyone how good he is <laughs> and leaking to reporters. I just, I don't give, I don't give that person respect. I don't. I don't. The, and the idea that they... Just say that everything that happens is them. It's remarkable. Like you would, like honestly, just start putting Scott O'Neill on the box score, and like when Embiid <laughs> scores a point, like give some of those points to Scott because like he deserves it. Well, um, do you think what are the odds that he knows the exact stats from every one of the media games that he hosted so he can be one hundred percent? <laughs> All right. Uh, mailbag. Lorenzo Brown mailbag. We love you. Uh, send us emails, write strickysanchez at gmail.com. One basketball question, one non-basketball question, or one question that enco- encompasses 50% of each. This is from Dan. Hey, Spike and Mike. In an, in an interview with WNBA champion Sue Bird, J.J. Reddick said, when the Golden State Warriors would go on a run and Steph would get going, he'd be doing his shimmying and he would shoot a shot. You would feel that as an opposing player. When you're playing in Philly and you're playing on your home court, you feel like you're ready to get booed when you take a shot. So it's a little different playing in Philly versus anywhere else. (laughs) This terrible season aside, JJ was present for at least two great Sixers seasons. If he felt this way, it's plausible that other members of those teams felt similar. What are your thoughts on us as a live fan base, whether that merits criticism? Thanks for all the great pods. I think if fucking heat culture can be a thing where, like, you're not allowed to eat and they're weighing you every friggin half hour and any level of like psycho bullshit, then our reputation can be like, Hey, you can't handle it here. Yeah. The heat do it all the time. Yeah. That's like their whole thing is like people can't handle it here. And like everyone loves that shit. So Look, just whatever. The fans want you to be good. The whole fucking job is to be good. I like, what is, what are we talking about here? And, and I, I've said many times. And they were 29 and two at home. So it, it worked. worked this year. It worked. JJ, whatever. Look, (laughs) I understand that not everyone is the same way. You know, there have been plenty of players who have not liked playing in Philadelphia because of how everything is. But I will say this. It is the same gene in Philadelphia fans that makes them really super supportive and awesome when it's good that make it tough when it's bad. They're not They're. I'm not a booer. But I don't care when they boo. 
Yeah, I agree with you. They expect excellence. They want you to be fucking awesome. And if that is a problem, then go play in New Orleans where nobody in the whole fucking city knows that there's even a basketball team, you piece of shit. You, I'm sorry. I didn't even mean to go there. I didn't mean to do that. I take it back. I'm sorry. Go play in, in New Orleans where nobody cares. It's a good city, but nobody cares about the basketball team. I'm sorry that it was, that, that you were scared of missing a shot getting paid 23 fucking million dollars to play basketball. You're scared that the fans are going to boo if you miss a shot. Then make more shots. This comes from Jake. Uh, Hello, the t-shirts for the pod have always struck me as an indelible must-have artifact from this era of Sixers basketball. I think it's obvious that the greatest shirt of all time is the black shirt with the names on the back. You either have the shirt or you don't. I tried ordering it during one of the Black Friday sales years ago and it was already sold out. My requested questions are the following. What is the greatest Ricky shirt of all time other than the name shirt? And should the phenomena of RTRS shirts be retired? Personally, I think the shirt with Rebel is the peak of process lore. Obviously him with the collars. Thank you for the consideration, Jake. I think we've been asked this before. First of all, the phenomena of the shirts will not be retired because I like having my ideas for shirts on on fucking shirts. So no. What do you think is the greatest shirt of all time, aside from the names one? There are a lot of shirts. Um, I really like, from an artistic standpoint, mm-hmm. I really like the um, uh, the JJ shirt. I don't like it says not on social media on the back because I wouldn't wear it. I just can't wear it with people looking at me being like, oh, that, that guy's proud of himself or something. I can't do it. <laughs> but I'll wear it like under a, a hoodie or a jean jacket or something. So the, the front is in, because I think the art of the Red Ricky Sanchez logo on the front in the old Sixers font is really cool. Yeah. I think that's great. Um, too Good is clean. I, I wear Too Good a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, the name shirt is, is, the, is the top of the mountain for me. Yeah, I, it, it obviously is. And we actually put it up for a different color every year, really. Um, we did a COVID version of it for Black the Black Friday, and it always sells really, really well. It's obviously a great shirt. Ship of, um, the Ship of Theseus is good. Ship of Theseus one is great. Not one of our best sellers, but a really great inside, inside joke. And Tanner did great art on it. Um, I actually think, so I have three favorites, really. Two of them were never for sale. Uh, they were only trip shirts. The, the Joel, and I, I know you're going to make fun of me of this, but the Joel, the, the, Milwaukee trip one with Joel as the as Lady Liberty from the the uh, um, Metallica and Justice for All cover the Justice for Joel one I think is really awesome. Um, I love the fuck Andrew Sharp T-shirt from the Washington trip is has this very punk aesthetic which I love a lot, and I fucking love the Horford Appreciator shirt. I love the idea. I think it was Jack Fritz that gave me the idea. I just. I loved how mad it makes Celtics fans who didn't understand what we were doing. I love that it turned out so poorly. I love the design from Tanner. I love that shirt. I think it's a great shirt. I think it's a necessary shirt in in Ricky history, basically. Uh, thank you, Jake. Um, I, have a, I, have a, I have a reality show quick thing for you. I think mm-hmm. you would enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of the show Welcome to Plathville? No. Welcome to whatville? Plathville. No. Like Sylvia Plath. Um, no. it is, uh, it's a show, I think it's on TLC. Um, I had never seen it or heard of it. And, uh, Alyssa and Taylor on table flipping podcast, 
uh, just did a, an episode about it. And so I, we watched some of it and it is about a family that's like a ton of, you know, a bunch of like kid, like 15, like, I don't know how many kids there are, a ton of kids. And they are not allowed to like have any internet or like sweets or like one of them's never had a pop tart before. And, uh, they just like don't know anything at all. And there's a really funny scene of this kid going to the gym for the first time and he's like doesn't know like what to do at the gym. <laughs> and it's really, really I think that's kinda of your kind of show. Yeah, um, it sounds say. awesome. I uh I, I actually it does sound like my kind of show. There was a reality show that I would that I accidentally saw the other day. I was laying on the couch and I think my wife left whatever channel it was on, maybe it was on VH one. Uh Chrisley knows best. Yeah, it's um, been on for, that's been on for forever, isn't it? Yeah, I don't see it. It, it was, it was really. I, I hated it, sure. so much. I, I hated the show just, just an incredible amount. Um, uh, let's get a couple more in there. Uh, non bad or uh, from Steve. What do you think of this trade? All right, Sixers send out Horford and Richardson, uh, and Corkmoss. Horford, Richardson, Corkmoss. So the Rockets get Horford, Chris Dunn. It's a three-team trade between the Sixers, the Rockets, and the Bulls. The Rockets get Horford, Chris Dunn, and Furkan Korkmaz. The Bulls get Russell Westbrook and Josh Richardson in just the worst trade in history, it seems like. And the Sixers get Otto Porter and Zach Levine. I mean, the Sixers do that, right? The Sixers definitely do that. Um, I don't think the Bulls do it. Houston gets... Horford, Horford, Dunn, and Korkmaz for Westbrook, basically. Maybe. I doubt that they do that. And I doubt that the Bulls, unless they're just like, I don't think their front office is as stupid as it was anymore. I guess they, if they really want, if they believe that Russell Westbrook was the guy that he was for the bulk of the season, prior to, prior to getting COVID and being in the bubble and stuff, maybe, and if they want like a, a new, you know, Derek Rose type that they can build around maybe um, but I he's getting old and there you know I feel like it's not gonna happen I would do it but I, I think you'd have a hard time convincing the other two two teams to do it although I admittedly don't know what Houston is thinking yeah. if they if they totally change their identity and everything and want a Horford type center in there now then fine that's fine yeah I mean Horford would be uh, helpful for them. But I, I also think that they're operating in a world where they have to think, would this piss off Harden? And Harden wanted Westbrook. And that's a mm-hmm. lot of the reason why he's there. So yeah, and, sure. and then non-basketball question. I think this is interesting for you. What is the worst TV show you've watched every episode of? My friend and I were talking about this and he thinks his is probably Prison Break or Full House. For me, it's Burn Notice. Thanks for everything. There's an answer to this question. And I can't uh, oh. say it because I at You're one point almost said it. And then my Patrick, my writing partner, was like, I don't think you should talk. And it's like, what's, yeah. the, what's the benefit? And then we literally got a meeting with that a producer on that show like yeah. we, a week later. And, uh, but it is a horrible show. There's two, two seasons of it. Uh, we watched all of it. It is absolute trash. And there are good people that work on the show that have been employed by the show would those the people show itself, would those people say that the show was trash i d- i doubt it okay. i doubt that they would but it is it is it is the worst show i've ever seen um 
under the idea that is that it is a good show. They're they're definitely setting out to make a good show. They're not setting out to make like something wacky and it's just like, all right, you didn't hit the mark. Like Can they're you, setting out to make a good show that like says something. And they and they missed so bad. And they got two seasons of it and it's it's horrendous. It's really 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 it, awful. Can you at least just tell me was it last 10 years? Yes. Okay. I mean that doesn't really narrow it down. I so I don't really have an answer unless I was to go back to maybe sitcoms that I watched when I was young, but there's no way I watched all of them. I if the the minute that I don't think a show is good, I I turn it off. Yeah. I, I'm usually like that also. Um but this one this one hit a special <laughs> hit a special level. I, I watch it almost like a, I'm watching reality television. Like it's like a, watching a train wreck and being like and enjoying it in that on that level. We were watching the way we operate is my wife picks a show for one night of the week and I pick a show for another night of the week. And uh, I remember so we watched this show called The First, which was a, a I think a Hulu show with Sean Penn about the first man trip to Mars. It was eight episodes. I enjoyed it. I don't think it was great or anything, but it was good. And the show we followed it up with was with um, it was another show, a Netflix show about someone going to Mars. Who's the woman who was in Million Dollar Baby? Um, Hillary Swank. Hillary Swank. Away this is, is how quick show, I'll, is the name of the I'll show. turn off a show. We were three minutes into it, and it was started with a press conference of the astronauts. I felt like the press conference was completely unbelievable. And I looked at her, and I said, this show is too fake. We have to turn it off. And I turned it off, and that was it. And now we're watching Homecoming, which I really enjoy. Uh, Sam Esmail, I think, is the executive producer. Julia Roberts is the first season. It's at least interesting, I guess. Um, okay. Uh, There's a good, while you're looking for that, there's a good, uh, I enjoyed Mike O'Connor's article about Shake Milton becoming the next Devante Graham. Yes, um, because we need it to happen. I need it to happen. I love Devante, loved him out of college at KU. Uh, I obviously love Shake. Uh, Mike makes the point that Devante is like a different kind of athlete mm -hmm. than Shake, but this this idea, I mean, like he's an excellent shooter, um, and he should be allowed to take more uh, quick out shots. of his. I want to say like not out of his comfort zone, but like he should stretch his comfort zone to yeah. to take to to take more shots, especially if if our identity is going to be like we're bully ball still or whatever the fuck, like. Getting a good open shot up and having a you know forty percent chance that it goes in because Shake always shoots above forty. Actually, he's above the Hollis line usually. Um, and then it's like, hey, we have so many offensive rebounders between Ben and Joel and maybe Al or Tobias or whatever um, or Matisse. Like, then that gives us a good chance of like that being an effective play. If it's like, hey, we're gonna if you get a good look, take it we'll get the offensive rebound or it goes in. Like th those are, I just like the idea of getting good shots quickly rather than mm -hmm. like clunky, clunky shots often. Just pull up, pull, pull up. up, pull up. Pull up. Uh, all right. So we'll do one comment and then one question. I thought it was a particularly good non basketball question. Just a quick comment. This is an email that comes from big Mike. Bill O'Neill is taking part in a $100,000 event on tour. Mm. Uh, it's taped. It's already happened. We don't know what the results are, but we would like everyone to watch Bill O'Neill, the official um, bowler of the Ricky on the PBA tour. I don't know where it, where it airs. I bet it's ESPN. ESPN seems to air all the PBA stuff. Um, let's go, Bill. Let's go, Bill. Come on. Well, even though you've already done it, but 
Come on, Bill. Let, he, let, let us have gone, Bill. <laughs> and remember, when the world's back to normal, we are doing a road trip to see Bill. <laughs> That's great. This comes from Al. Final question. And uh, I, think, I think there's only really one answer if you're talking about at home. From Al. Non-basketball question. Do you use napkins or do you use paper towels as an all-purpose product? Faux plate, faux napkin, faux whatever. Um, I use, I use plates as plates. Um, I do use paper towels as napkins. Napkins. Yeah. I haven't purchased a napkin in 15 years. Yeah. I remember when I was like first became, uh, an adult or living on myself, living by my own. It was like, okay, well I, what do humans get? I was like, I get, I have to purchase napkins at the store. And so I just like had kind of just old napkins and like a bad napkin holder that I just never used. Just like sitting there, like looking all like sad and like rumbled. Only a psycho still buys napkins unless you're having a dinner party or something. You got to just mm -hmm. use paper towels. Buy one mm -hmm. thing. Napkins are just less effective. I, I don't even. Um, and, and since we have to fucking take out that mic email, um, a quick question. I thought this was interesting. This is from Matt. Is Spencer Dinwiddie closer to being Jimmy Butler or Josh Richardson? It is a really good question. That's a great question. Um, different, obviously, these guys are different players slightly, but I would, I would say um, offensively, he is far closer to Jimmy Butler than Josh Richardson. Defensively, he's not as good as either. Mm -hmm. um, but... Offensively, I think he's closer to Jimmy. I think he can. He's a better shooter than Jimmy mm -hmm. uh, from from outside. He's a better um, creator than Josh is. Oh, way better creator than Josh. Yeah, better creator than yeah. Josh. Better shooter than Josh. Better passer than Josh. Great in the pick and roll. Can get to the rim. Gets fouled. Like has a knack for getting fouled the way Jimmy does. Um, he's just not as strong. He's not as physically imposing. Um, uh, and I don't think he's he's. He's not as good right now of a, as a passer than as Jimmy is, although he is obviously older and has grown into that uh, into that kind of person. I love Spencer Dinwiddie. Always have. Think he's a hundred percent legitimate. I would easily, I would do whatever it takes to get him. Like he would be a perfect, perfect fit. He seems like a little bit of a, he's a odd dribbly. guy. Um, he's a little dribbly. He's a little for dribbly. sure. For sure, yeah. dribbly. A hundred percent. Um, but also just like an odd guy, like he was, he was, wasn't he negotiating his own salary, like publicly, like you guys can pay for where you want me to go. Well, he was doing a GoFundMe that, uh, said that if he raised a certain amount, they could pick where he went. Then he right. canceled it when it only raised $1,200. And then yeah. he, he got rid why. of his agent and he's going to negotiate his own. Right. Contract. So odd, odd dude. I, I remember there was an interview with him and I think Kenny Atkinson where they were both kind of like good naturedly but like it might not actually be good naturedly saying like Spencer thinks he's the smartest player on the team and like on the court at all times and like a lot of times he's right and a lot of times it's f annoying as fuck is what it kind of seemed like um and maybe so maybe there's like some I don't know Chris Paul level to him of of like personality wise I'm not sure um but I think he's an excellent player and I think he would be a really really helpful addition to this team he would great be question, helpful though. great he question is a 
he is a little dribbly. I will, I will say the biggest difference as a shooter between him and Richardson is that Dinwiddie is just so much more willing, which is part of being good, but he mm-hmm. is just a more willing shooter. His percentages are not going to, you're not going to look at his shooting percentage, three-point percentage, and be wowed by it, but he will he will get him up. And mm-hmm. Josh does seem to hesitate. Josh Richardson seems to hesitate. Like, yeah, he's, I'll, a, I'll, he's a good, he, I mean, he shot well in college, and I think, what did he shoot last year, like 37%, 38%? Um, on volume, like he's he's good, like he's he's good, and I think if especially if he's playing with a guy like Ben and Joel, where he'd get more open looks, I think I I believe in them as like a catch and shoot guy for sure. And the, my favorite part is that he gets the rim and he gets the line. Like those mm-hmm. are those are great things. And I would love to have a weirdo here. I, I mean, if he's and being just be weird. multiple Dinwiddies. Yeah. Yes. Oh my God! Can you imagine if Dinwiddie trades for Dinwiddie? That'd Fucking be great. amazing. All it. right. Uh, well, good luck, Bill. Good luck, Bill O'Neill. Um, and I. Uh, uh, as you always do, remind people that uh, get your ballots in. Get your ballots off. in. Drop boxes. You can find them near you and early voting locations. It's so easy. Iwillvote.com slash PA. Iwillvote.com slash PA. Yes, your wife. I saw, I saw my wife, uh, uh, her, her envelope, her security envelope inside the regular envelope this morning, and she took it as she was on her way off to work to drop hers off. So, um, Good. you know, it's very easy. Very put it easy. in at this point it's late enough put it in a dropbox location so you don't have to worry about any mail hijinks just get it there um or vote early in person if you're you know all masked up and everything um mm-hmm. and you just turn in your ballot um that way and have have everything just make it make it make it so don't Let's risk go. it get it in now today tomorrow don't wait don't wait. Just get it done. Unless you're voting on the day of, in which case, be very safe. Just be, be safe, safe. Wear That's your right. mask. Stand behind the person in front of you. Pretty easy. Just, uh, you know, you can go grocery shopping. You can certainly, if you haven't, uh, if you, look, this is what I would say to those who, if you didn't sign up for a uh, mail-in ballot and you're nervous about voting in person, it is, look, you can stand six feet behind the person in front of you, wear a mask, get in, get your shit done, leave. You'll be I'm going to early vote and I'm going to double mask. Whoa, double mask. Double mask. So one over your mouth and then one over, or My both eyes. on your mask. Oh, My yeah. eyes. Uh, no, I'm wearing, uh, I'll have probably one cloth mask over my mouth and then a like regular uh, surgical mask over that. There you go. Double, Double safety. Right? Can't hurt. And if people look at me weird, fuck them. Fuck them. Look, nobody could look weirder than LL in his uh, fucking face shield. Uh, like he's a welder or something. There's nothing wrong with it. No shame in it. No shame. No shame. All right. Uh, we'll talk to you later this week. Draft. Draft coming up. We'll start uh, getting into draft stuff. Your your favorite season of the year. Yes. But, uh, uh, are you done with TTP? Yeah. You know. Lick face. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I, then I won't fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. But if you fuck with me, I'm gonna fucking kill you! Thanks for playing.